Good morning, friends. I'm going to be leaping ahead uh, about a week today in today's message. This is a message I'm going to be sharing um, one evening when I preach at Angola Prison down in Louisiana. And the message is entitled Good News for Unfinished People. And it's based on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. So let's begin with these words of Paul where he says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Let's break down this verse, starting with the key phrase, sanctify you through and through. Other translations say, sanctify you completely, make you completely holy, make you pure, belonging only to him. This is the prayer for something that hasn't happened yet. We know it hasn't happened yet because we look in the mirror each morning. We aren't completely holy, and we're not totally pure. Most of us don't feel very close to that. Honesty compels us to admit we've got a long way to go. Coming as it does at the end of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, we might paraphrase this benediction this way. Lord, I have done all I can and taught these people all I know. You've got to take over now, and unless you help them, they won't turn out right. That leads me to offer a layman's definition of sanctification. It's this. It's everything God does in your life and mine to make sure we turn out right. God intends to make sure his children turn out right in the end. That's why parents care so much and worry so much about their kids. They've given their lifeblood, and so it matters almost more than life itself how their children turn out. Now apply that same truth in the spiritual realm. God has invested in us the death of his only begotten Son. Sanctification is the divine guarantee that God's investment will not be wasted. It is the assurance that God finishes what he starts. Sanctification, then, is God's commitment to us. We're going to make it. He will personally see to it. But we're not finished yet. A number of years ago, I remember people walking around that had buttons that were bearing a strange and uh, kind of indecipherable message. It said, P-B-P-G-I-N-F-W-M-Y. I had no idea what that was until somebody told me it stood for, Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. Well, that statement strikes me as pretty biblical. We're not finished yet, and that's why we pray and seek the Lord. And someday we'll be finished. That's what sanctification means. Now, Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians is really a short course in sanctification. In these two verses, we have five P's that explain what it means. The person, the purpose, the prospect, the position, and the promise. Well, let's look at number one, the person, from verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace. Well, in this opening phrase, we have the guarantee of our sanctification. Just as any contract is only worth the integrity of the name on the paper, even so our hope of sanctification is only as good as the person who stands behind it. And Paul uses an emphatic Greek construction to drive his point home. God, God himself, God himself, the God of peace. And see, here's truth. Only God can make you better. Think about that. I mean, exercise improves your body. Therapy may help your soul. Friends may lift your spirits. Good fortune may improve your circumstances. But only God can make you better. God is the author and the source of all spiritual progress. 
Now, it's easy to forget that, because in our battle against sin, we kind of crawl into a corner and we try to get better on our own. And after a while, we stand up and we say, well, see how nice I look, Lord? I did it all by myself. But we are wrong to boast like that. Remember the words of Jesus in John 15:5, Without me, you can do nothing. In contrast to all of our feeble efforts at moral betterment and self-improvement, Paul simply says, God himself, the God of peace. In other words, sanctification starts with God, and if it doesn't start there, you haven't really started at all. Well, the second little phrase is the purpose, sanctify you through and through. That's the second part of verse 23. And that phrase through and through translates an unusual two-part Greek word that combines whole plus in the end. See, God has ordained that his children, all of them without exception, will be made complete in the end. And we need to admit we're not that way now. Most of us feel a little bit fragmented and torn in a thousand different directions. We're incomplete. We're under construction. But God intends that when we finally get to heaven, the hammers and the saws will be put away and we will stand before the Lord with every part perfectly in place and every aspect of our life made perfect. See, we're not finished yet, but we will be. We're not completely clean today, but we will be. We're not wholly wise today, but we will be. In his comments on this, uh, theologian John Calvin said that God intends the entire renovation of the man. I don't know if you watch any of those renovation shows on television, but you'd probably understand what he means. On occasion, I watch Property Brothers and Fixer Upper and Love It or List It. Now, all of those shows kind of follow the same plan. You find a, a distressed property and then you start renovating it. If all goes well, you end up selling it for a profit. But every show I've ever watched, things really never go well. Usually they get started with a bang. They begin ripping out the old walls, tearing out the electrical wires, digging up the foundation, knocking out windows so they can replace them with French doors. But then trouble hits. Some person says, oh, you won't believe this, but the foundation is cracked, or the roof has to be replaced, or uh, we've got mold in the bathroom. I mean, it looks like a like the renovation project has turned into a disaster. And the producers always put the trouble just before a commercial break, so you stay tuned to see the outcome. And once the crisis is passed, they can finish the renovation. Now, here's what I've learned from watching those shows. Renovation always takes longer than you estimated, and it always costs more than you expected. Nothing is ever as easy as it looks, and if you think houses are hard, try renovating a human life. That's a job so tough, only God would attempt it. I mean, some of us take 25 years, some 30, some 40, many of us take 50 plus, and the job still isn't done. And God eventually says, I've done all I can do down here. Come on up here, and I'll finish the job where the working conditions are better. Well, today we're holy in spots, but when God is finished with us, we will be holy through and through. Here's our third P, the prospect. It says your whole spirit, soul, and body. See, this phrase tells us the extent of our sanctification. Paul wants us to know God intends to renovate the whole person in all his parts. Nothing is going to be left out or overlooked. Every part will be made perfect in the end. Now, suppose you could change anything about yourself. Where would you start? Would you start on the outside? I mean, would you be skinnier, taller, shorter, better looking? Would you change the color of your eyes or hair or teeth or legs or bulges? If you could make wave a magic wand and change your outward appearance, would it be a light touch-up or an extreme makeover? 
would we even recognize you? But as hard as it is to change on the outside, it seems way harder to change on the inside. If there is anything we know about human nature, it's that people change slowly, if at all. I mean, think about the struggles of your own life. What would you change about yourself on the inside if you could? Would it be an impatient spirit or a critical tongue or envy of those people around you or a spirit of discontent or lingering resentment? Or would it be lust you can't conquer or financial mismanagement or a guilty conscience or an overbearing stubbornness or a judgmental spirit or a quick temper? I mean, would it be profound discouragement? Would it be an inability to appreciate life? Would it be an ungrateful spirit or a disorganized life? Or any number of other things I could add to that list. But here's the good news, friends. We're going to be changed. The stuff that drives us crazy will be gone forever. Here's our fourth P, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word blameless means to be acquitted in a court of law. You are blameless if no one can bring a charge against you. Now, that's not true of most of us. Uh, Those who know us best know our weaknesses and could testify against us for their but for their kindness uh, toward us. See, God intends that when we stand before him, he will say, does anyone in the whole universe know any reason why this person should not enter heaven? At that point, there will be a loud silence as no one, not the angels or the demons, not the saints or the sinners, no one in all the universe will be able to bring any charge against God's elect. The Good News Version of the Bible says God will sanctify us so that we are free from every fault. The Phillips translation uses the phrase spotless integrity. This is God's desire for all his people. None of us achieves it perfectly in this life, but better things are coming for the people of God. See, here's Paul's hope. When Jesus returns, two great things will happen for the believer. Our character will be revealed and our perfection will be complete. But friends, you know as well as I do, we are so far from this right now. We seem to make such slow progress. I don't know about you, but do you ever get discouraged about your own life? Do you ever look in the mirror and say, man, what's wrong with you? I think we probably all do that from time to time. It's easy to find reasons to feel guilty. I mean, what were you thinking about when you said that? Or how could you be so stupid? I mean, you know better than that. Why did you lie about that? How, How could you treat a friend that way? And on and on it goes. Spiritual growth can be very discouraging at times. It's kind of like climbing Mount Everest. The closer you get to the top, the farther away it seems. But God has a reason for all of this. He wants us to depend on him for everything in life. He designed life so that it works only when he is in charge of everything. When we try to run the show, which we often do, things begin to fall apart. If the Christian life is left up to us, we will fail every time. Only God can give us what we need to be victorious. Today, we don't feel blameless because we aren't blameless. We are, in fact, blameworthy and we make things worse by what we do and say. Today, we're all under construction. We're all unfinished people. But when God is finally finished with us, we'll stand blameless in his presence. And that's the good news from this passage. Here's our fifth P, the promise. Verse 24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Now, this little phrase is all important. 
Our entire hope, both in this life and in the life to come, rests on the faithfulness of God. His faithfulness bears the entire weight of our puny efforts. The one who calls you is faithful. Do you know what we are today? We are the unfinished children of God. You are a work in process, and so am I. We're all under construction. And as we all know, construction is long, loud, noisy, and very messy. That's why most of us can hear the hammering and the sawing on the inside. God never stops his work because there's so much work that needs to be done. Romans 8.29 says we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I mean, think about that word <clears throat> predestined and take it apart. Pre means before and destined means where we'll end up. See, even before our spiritual journey began, God made up his mind about our destination. One day, we're going to all look like Jesus. In the year 1464, a sculptor named Agostino di Duccio uh, began working on a huge piece of flawed marble, intending to produce a magnificent sculpture of an Old Testament prophet for a cathedral in Florence, uh, Italy. He labored two years, and then he stopped. In 1476, Antonio Rossellini started to work on the same piece of marble, and in time abandoned it also. In 1501, a 26-year-old sculptor named Michelangelo was offered a considerable sum of money to produce something worthwhile from that enormous block of marble called the giant. As he began his work, he saw a major flaw near the bottom that had kind of stymied other sculptors. He decided to turn that part of the stone into a broken tree stump that would support the right leg. He worked in the marble for four years until he had produced the incomparable David. Now, today that 17-foot-tall statue stands on display at a gallery in Florence where people from call, come from all over the world to view it. More than a masterpiece, it is one of the greatest works of art ever produced. It's been said that there is no statue more perfect. Now, how did he do it? Well, here is his answer in his own words. Quote, In every block of marble I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it to the other eyes as mine see it. End of quote. Well, said in more colloquial terms, I cut away everything that didn't look like David. Now, apply this to the spiritual life. All of us are works in progress. We're not all finished. We're not all glorified. We're not all perfected. We're not all completed. We are all under construction. And if you've ever visited a construction zone, you know it's noisy, it looks messy. While the hammering and the sawing continues, it's hard to imagine what the result will be. But God never stops working on us because there's so much work that needs to be done. I kind of picture God as a sculptor working with the rough piece of marble. He's working on a big chunk named Barry Kolb. I mean, it's a hard job because the chunk is badly marred, it's misshapen, it's discolored, and it's cracked in odd places. It's about the worst piece of marble a sculptor could ever find. But God is undeterred and he plans. He works patiently at his job, chipping away the bad parts, chiseling an image into the hard stone, stopping occasionally to polish here and there. And one day he finally finishes one section of the statue. The next morning when he returns to the studio, that section is messed up. 
I thought I finished that yesterday. He says, who's been messing with my statue? Well, it turns out I'm the culprit. I'm my own worst enemy. What I thought would improve things have only messed them up. But God is faithful. Uh, He patiently picks up his chisel and goes back to work. He's chipping away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. In my case, it's evident that he has a long way to go. But I'm encouraged by the certain knowledge he won't quit halfway through a project. What God starts, he finishes. I mean, think of those four words at the end of verse 24. He will do it. They are simple and direct. No qualification, no hesitation, no doubt of any kind. Just four words. He will do it. Not he may do it, or he might do it, or he could do it, or he'll do it if he feels like it. Not he will do it if we do our part. It's just a simple declarative statement that God will do it. Friends, when it's all been said and done, what matters is not our stronghold on God, but his stronghold on us. One day we will stand before Jesus Christ, whole and complete. No more hammering, no more sawing, and no more finish work. Some days it feels like we're not making much progress. But that's okay because the Father knows what he's doing. Little by little he chips away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. And one day all unfinished people will be sanctified through and through. And will stand blameless in his sight. We know this is true because God finishes what he starts. And when God is finished, you'll be like Jesus. And friends, you can take that to the bank. Faithful is he who called you, and he will do it. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.